Acts chapter 16. I want to share something with you. God's put on my heart this week while I was away. and um, I think this is going to help you. I want to give you a few ways to navigate the call of God on your life today. Acts 16 verse 6. The Bible says this. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to us in Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Come over here, come to Macedonia and help us. Father in Jesus name we pray. And we ask that your presence that is clearly in the room today we pray that you could do in this room that you would do what only you can there are lives that are full of chaos that need clarity today hearts that are full of hurt and pain and tragedy has happened and the unexpected has happened and we pray that you would be with them and mend them and heal them today in Jesus' name. The Bible teaches that your word heals us. You send your word and you heal them. So do what only you can do today through your word. We're gonna give you these next few moments. We're gonna give you our full attention because you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. First of all, I want to talk to you about opportunities. Opportunities. I haven't lived very long, but I have discovered just a few things over my very brief life. And one of the things that I found out about life is that for many people in this room, your greatest struggle is not going to be sin. Your greatest struggle is not going to be the obstacles that come into your life. Your greatest struggle is going to be what to do with your opportunities. Someone said this. They said, passion is what you love to do. Talent is what you can do. Purpose is what you're supposed to do. Did you catch that? Passion is what you love to do. Talent is what you can do. And purpose is what you are supposed to do. And it takes someone full of the Spirit of God to submit your passion and your talent to God's purpose. I, I think this story is interesting because the Bible says they tried to preach in Asia, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I would think that God would want the gospel preached everywhere. Wouldn't that be your assumption? Like, I wouldn't think that there would be a place that God would say, no, don't preach the gospel there. But I don't really think if you look at it on surface level, I think you'll miss it because I don't think God is saying there are places that I don't want the gospel preached. I think God is saying there are places that I don't want you to preach. 
I think what God is trying to teach us is that every need is not your responsibility. I mean, I'm like three minutes in and I'm already sharing something that could change your life. Some mamas need to get a clue this morning that every need your babies have is not your responsibility. Every time they call you, you don't have to do what they ask you when they call you. All right, that didn't get a whole lot of amens because mom feel that guilty thing and we're too close to Mother's Day for moms to say, I don't need to do everything my kids want me to do. Isn't that wild? He says, don't preach there. The Holy Spirit would not allow them to preach there. Don't go there. So they tried to go somewhere else. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, wouldn't allow them to go there. And here's why. Because your calling is not just about what you are supposed to do. Your calling is also about where you are supposed to do it. And most people don't drown in the lack of something. They drown in the abundance of something. And you need the ability to know where God has called you. Not just what he has called you to do, but where he has called you. You don't just to get, you don't just get to pick any job you want. You, as a follower of Jesus, you don't get to just pick any church you want. You don't get to follow your passions and your talent. You have to submit your passions and your talent to the will of God, which is the purpose of God. Like Jesus said, God, I'm not my will, but what do you want from my life? And I feel like the question everybody in this room should be asking today is this, God, what do you want from my life? Can somebody say amen? And the more gifted you are, the more difficult it becomes to be clear on this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Man, I've had to learn this lesson the hard way so many times. Let me give you a few things that you need if you're going to maximize the call of God that's on your life. First of all, you need a relationship with God that exceeds your passions and your talent. If you don't have this, you will be driven to walk through every open door. You're, what, you're, you're an opportunist, so you follow the opportunity. But every open door is not the will of God for your life. Because I'm not just looking for an opportunity, I'm trying to fulfill my purpose. And here's the thing, Paul could have gone to Asia. He could have. And he could have preached there, and he might have made a difference, but he would not have made his difference. And I'm not interested in making a difference. I want to make my difference. I want to do what I was created to do. Matthew 26 and 53, Jesus is, is getting arrested, and the disciples are freaking out. Peter cuts off an ear. Jesus looks at him and he says this in Matthew 26, 53. He says, do you not think I could not call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus exemplified someone who had the ability to do whatever he wanted to do. 
but he was submitted to the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I don't do what I want to do. I don't do what I think I should do. I don't do what I would prefer to do. I don't even go in the direction that my gifts and abilities tell me I should go. Because if anybody was gifted, if anybody had ability, if anybody could do anything they wanted to do, it was the son of God. It was the, it was the power of heaven in restraint that caused him to do the perfect will of God. And there are things in your life that you've got to say, I could do this, but I won't do this because the scripture, the, the book that God has written about my life. The thing that God has said about my life, the thing that God created me to accomplish, the purpose that he put me on this planet to fulfill must be done this way. So I need a relationship with God that exceeds my passion. My passion is what I love to do. And so many people in the room today, you're driven by what you love to do. What you love to do. Somebody said this one time, they said, Find out what you love to do and make a living. (laughs) If I tried to make a living playing golf, my family would have nothing. Nothing. I'm a weekend warrior. That's it. So passion is what I love to do. Talent is what what I can do what I can do. And so many, so many people are driven by passion, but so many people are also driven by talent. They settle for a life of their own ability. And you need the spirit of God to tell you, Hey, I might use some of your passion and I might use some of your ability, but never confuse your passion and ability with my purpose. Because I might call you right out of your passions and your abilities and use you in an arena that you have no background in, no skill in, no history in. But I want to use you because I use, see, my wisdom confounds the wisdom of the world. See, it's why the Bible says that the gospel preaching looks like foolishness to the world. It doesn't make any sense. I met met someone this week who was a a real estate agent in New York City. And I'm not talking about just selling houses in New York City. I'm talking about selling buildings in New York City. I'm talking about a multi-millionaire who left the millions on the table to plant a church in a city. None of y'all would even know it if I said its name. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some people who are willing to, even if it costs you your passion and even if it costs you your ability, you are willing to submit to the will of God and say, if you can use anything, God, you can use me. I don't want money. I don't want fame. I don't need notoriety. I don't care if anybody remembers who I am. I just want to do your will. And it's quiet because it should be quiet. That's crazy. That makes no sense to natural thinking people, but I love the driving force in Paul's life. It says they wanted to preach there, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. 
They wanted to go there, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. And whatever you are full of, you will be led by. If you are full of self, you will be led by self. If you are full of greed, you will be led by your greed. But if you are full of the spirit of God, you will go where God wants you to go and you will say what God wants you to say. I need a relationship with God that exceeds my passion and my talent. I also need humility. I need humility. Think about not just Jesus, but Paul. Paul was a highly skilled, educated man. Historians believe that Paul spoke at least seven languages. He was a Jewish man, but a Roman citizen. Familiar with Jewish law, but also familiar with Roman law and culture. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Trained by Gamaliel, one of the most esteemed doctors of the law in all of Judaism. If anyone could have done anything but preach the gospel, it's Paul. As a matter of fact, when his life got transformed, he was carrying letters of imprisonment, arrest papers for Christians who were preaching the gospel. And God saves him, and, and he didn't stop carrying letters. He actually wrote a bunch of letters. But this, these letters weren't going to imprison people by the law. These letters were going to set people free by the liberty that's in Christ Jesus. And so God doesn't ignore your passion and your talent. He just flips it on its head and shames the devil. And the thing that the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around for his good and for your good. Is there anybody in the room today thankful that God uses people like us? To do things we didn't think we could, we could do. So if Paul, anybody could have done anything with their life, it's Paul. And I, I think this is interesting too because the Bible says that one of the, one of the areas or regions that Paul was, was going through was Galatia. This is wild because the Holy Spirit says, not there. Not there. Paul's greatest impact on the city of Galatia would not be his preaching. It would be his writing. Now think about this because some people in this room are married to their, their idea of how God is going to use them. You, you have to disconnect yourself from how you think God is going to use you to how God wants to use you. Do you want God to use you or do you want God to use you the way you want him to use you? See, because Paul's greatest impact on Galatia was not his preaching. It was his letters. Are you willing for God to do something in your life that's unexpected? To, to show you something about yourself that you didn't even know existed in you. This ability to write, this ability. See, there are things in you that you haven't discovered about yourself. But if you don't disconnect yourself from the way you thought things were supposed to go. From the way you thought life was going to turn out. From the way you wanted it to be. If you can disconnect yourself from the way you thought it was going to be. And submit to the way God wants it to be. God can open up a whole new way of ministry, of life, of fulfillment, of purpose in whatever you're doing. So stop marrying how you want God to use you. Stay committed to the purpose, but don't stay committed to the method. 
Because God could in, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s switch it all up on you and say, I know I used you like this for 60 years, but I'm going to get a different use out of the next 40 years of your life. i got to be willing to change. And that takes humility. Because humility is the ability to admit, I don't know everything. I might not have all the answers. Humility is, is the ability to say, God... You know, ultimately, you are in control. I thought I was, <laughs> but I realized I wasn't. Anybody over the past three years of your life realized you weren't in control of nothing? All right. Philippians 2, starting in verse 4, the Bible says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very, in, in very nature, he was God. But he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Wow. God is concerned by how you use your advantages. Everybody in life is going to have some advantage but God is watching will you use it to your advantage for yourself or will you use your advantage for others so the Bible says this rather he made himself nothing some people are like Robbie I need to know what the call of God is on my life here's the call of God make yourself nothing that's not what I wanted to hear, man. I wanted to hear I'm called to the nations. I wanted to hear I'm supposed to own businesses. I wanted to hear I'm supposed to be a landowner. I wanted to hear that I'm supposed to build buildings. I wanted to hear that I'm supposed to sing for the multitudes. I wanted to hear that I'm supposed to... And everything we, we want the calling of God to be connected to has money or notoriety attached to it. But the call of God is when you make yourself... Nothing. Man, there's nearly 900 people in this room and y'all are super quiet. You're not making the noise that 900 people make when they're excited about something. So this is what, watch what the Bible says. He says he makes himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. Look, look what it says. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Therefore. I love this. Because there is a result to humility. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him. Look at that. A name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven, in the earth, under the earth, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. Watch this though. God gave him a name. And if you and I will stop trying to make a name, God will give us a name. So I need a relationship with God that exceeds my passion and my talent. I need humility. Watch this. I need a vision. 
The, ball, the, the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit kept them from going into Asia. The Spirit of Jesus stopped them from going and doing what they wanted to do. So the Bible says, so that night, Paul had a vision. Paul had a vision. And in this vision, he sees a man. And this man is crying out, come over here. See, the anointing on your life isn't just about the thing that God has gifted you to do. Your anointing also has a people connected to it. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So when you heard God call you, it was familiar. Because before you ever said, I'm your sheep, he said. You did not choose me, but I chose you. So you recognized his voice because you had already heard his voice. And so when he calls, you recognize the voice of your shepherd. That's why some people, even though they hear the gospel, don't respond. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So I need a vision. Paul says he sees a man from Macedonia saying, come over, come over here. A vision is what happens. And it doesn't happen until we do what I've already talked about. I don't get a vision until, I'm, until I have some moments in my life where I say no to Galatia. My yes is clarified by my no. And some people don't have a vision because you don't know how to say no. People come to me sometimes, hey, Rob, you know, listen, this opportunity opened up in another state. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. And, man, this opportunity is so big. And it's just such a wonderful opportunity. And nothing about God's will. Nothing about God's plan. This is what God wants for my family. And if you really get down into the details, the bottom line is, it's more money. So my first question is, have you found a church family? Well, no, we just figured we'd find one when we get there. Oh, good luck with that. How many people? How many, that, now, it doesn't mean that there aren't good churches. It just means that there, there isn't a church that you're assigned to. Sometimes people come back to Calvary and they're like, Pastor, we've been living, listen to me, listen to me. We've been living in this city for years and we still haven't found a church. We're still watching you online from another city for years. Why, it, why haven't you found a church? Maybe you weren't assigned to that city. 
And I'm just saying this in a group session so I don't have to counsel all of y'all when you move to another city and you're like, I can't find a church like Calvary. Well, no wonder you can't find a church like Calvary. It's not that there aren't great churches. It's just that there's only one church, one family, one group of people that you're assigned to. That's the way that works. Now that assignment can change. It doesn't mean you have to stay in the same church the rest of your life. But you don't move because a better church opportunity opened up. You know, this one ministers to my kids better. or This one's got better coffee. Or this one's got the air conditioning is a better temperature. <laughs> there's less parking issues. And I don't have to. There's, there's like literally a parking space with my name on it when I pull into the. I don't have to walk six miles to get into the building. Those are opportunities. Don't, don't be a Christian and an opportunist. So you need a vision. And a vision only comes when your relationship with God exceeds your passion. What I want. A vision only comes when I have a relationship with God exceeds my talent. What I can do. Spend the rest of their life going after what they want. They settle in life going after what they can do. Doesn't mean you won't make money. Doesn't mean you won't be blessed. Doesn't mean you won't have stuff. How, how many of you have met people who are in absolute rebellion doing okay? <laughs> The Bible says even sin itself is fun for a season. I've met a lot of evil people. Got more TVs than me. More bedrooms than me. So life is not about the things we accumulate. Life is about the purpose of God. Why am I here? And who and where has he called me to? What this means is if I don't submit what I want and what I can do, I won't have a vision. I'll have a vocation. I'll make a living, but I won't create a life. Let me give you three things a vision requires. These could be a message in themselves. My, my team always tell me, they're like, Pastor Robbie, you, you, should, you should break these apart. You'd have a whole lot more sermons. You wouldn't have to... This could be like five. So why, why do you do this? <laughs> I was preaching at a church recently. This guy came up to me, and it was the sermon I had preached here the week before. He comes up to me. He goes, he goes is that like a normal Sunday morning message for you? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He was like, wow, you make it really hard on yourself, don't you? You could, that's eight sermons. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you three thoughts. A vision requires foresight, oversight, and insight. Foresight is like looking through a telescope. Foresight is like seeing the trends, seeing what's happening in the future, seeing it's, it's like a dream. That's foresight. But you need more than a dream. You need oversight. Oversight is like looking at architectural drawings, which we're, we're all in right now. It's like looking at architectural drawings. It's, it's the plan. It, it's one thing to come out here and, and tear, 
tear this parking lot apart. But it's another thing to know there is a plan that it's, to, it's not going to look like that for the rest of my life. And if you're not careful, a dream will make your life look like that parking lot right now. <laughs> so I need oversight. But I also need insight. Insight is like looking through a microscope. It's wisdom. So I need foresight. I need oversight. I need insight. I need wisdom to know what to do with what I see. To know what to do. It's one thing for me to look at the plans and say, wow, that, that's a lot of detail there. But it's another thing to know how to make that plan come to life. That's insight. So I need, a, I need a relationship with God that exceeds my passions and my talent. I need humility. I need a vision. I need provision. Let me, let's go back to this story. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. The Bible says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Somothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. I know I'm getting these names really good and it's super smooth right now. I don't want you to be intimidated by. It's my job, people. It's my job. It's... So let's just skip them so I don't, so I don't uh, intimidate you any, any longer. <laughs> verse, uh, <laughs> verse 13. So on the Sabbath, um, <laughs> we went outside the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Lydia, who becomes a big deal in the book of Acts. The Bible says she's a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. She persuaded us. You need provision and you don't find Lydia looking for Lydia. You don't find money looking for money. You don't, you, you, you don't find provision looking for provision. You find provision pursuing your purpose. And if you'll pursue purpose, provision will find you. See, they, if they would have gone to Galatia or to Asia, they would have missed Lydia. But they found their way to Lydia, and they didn't find their way to Lydia because they, they didn't get into town and go, hey, man, we don't have a place to say. They were actually, the Bible says, they were looking for a place to pray. Some of y'all caught that, like three people over here, one person over here. They were not looking for a place to stay. They were looking for a place to pray. And a lot of people are making financial decisions, life decisions. They're, they're looking for a place to stay without first looking for a place to pray. And, and here's, where, here's, where, here's where you miss it. Here's where you mess up and you walk through doors that were never intended for you. You ask God after the fact. You ask God to bless you after you've done it. Bless my marriage. Well, you should have talked to me about the person you married before. God, I, I don't understand why I'm here. <laughs> you are there because you decided to go there. 
So the Bible is saying, you look for a place to pray before you look for a place to stay. They went down to the river to pray, and there just happened to be some women down there. Let me tell you this, too. This day, this is interesting. Because these are Jewish men who are still trying to work through some of their culture's view of women. So for them to accept this provision would have also meant they had already passed the test of humility. And because some of you are so concerned about where it's coming from, you won't receive it. <laughs> That's why God brought you to this church. Because in this church, you don't just get to hear from some white pastor, some white male pastor. You got to sit in here and listen to some women. You got to sit in here sometimes and listen to some people whose pigmentation is not exactly like yours. So I'm thankful today that we're a part of something that would just say, I'd rather be blessed than miss my blessing because my background tells me I'm not supposed to like where the blessing's coming from. Come on, somebody in the room, put your hands together and say, God, I don't care where it comes from or who you want to bring it through. I'm open to it. I don't care if they're black, white, male, female. And guess what? I don't care if it's a little kid. Out of the mouth of babes has the Lord ordained praise. And sometimes kids know a whole lot more about God than we do. That's why Jesus said, unless you come into the kingdom as a little child, you might miss the kingdom. I can't listen to that guy. He's too young and he doesn't dress like me. You might miss your blessing because you don't like my t-shirt. I'm just telling you. So if you come in this church and you want to wear a three-piece suit, you bring your bad self all up in here. Because we need suits just as much as we need jeans. And if you want to come to church in shorts because it's summer and the air conditioning don't work correctly in this room sometimes, then you wear your shorts. Because I'm not, I'm not, I don't care where it comes from as long as it's sent from God for my purpose. I'll take it. And some of your prejudice and some of your bigotry and some of your hatred is limiting your provision. You need real discernment. Real discernment. I think in particular, you need relational discernment. Because notice this. He accepts what Lydia has to offer. But a few verses later, there's another woman following them around trying to connect to their ministry. And he rebukes her. Let's read the story. 
once we were also going to a place of prayer. Because when you pray, it doesn't just open up provision. Prayer makes the devil mad. It's going to open up opposition. So the Bible says once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That doesn't sound too bad. Like if every time I got up to preach, somebody just shouted up, That is the servant of the Most High God who is telling you the way to be saved. I'd be like, You right? You right? But watch this. The Bible says she kept this up for many days. So finally, Paul became annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. This is why I need relational discernment. Watch this. They met a woman who could predict the future. She was influential. She was gifted and she was saying the right things, but she had the wrong spirit. And some of y'all are falling for people because they say the right stuff, but they have the wrong spirit. And you need a discernment that matches the level of your calling. Or else, because you're so desperate for friendship, you'll attach yourself to anybody. You're so desperate for provision, you'll attach yourself to anybody. You're so desperate for notoriety and influence, you'll attach yourself to anybody. And some of y'all are messed up in this room today because you attached yourself to a person that you should be casting the devil out of. You're dating somebody you should rebuke. Help him play that a little louder. Yeah, there we go. Some of us are messed up because we have no discernment. Building relationships with people we should be casting the devil out of. Over the years, my kids have come to me often and been like, Dad, I like this person. First question, do they have a relationship with God? I think so. It's a hard no until we're secure in their relationship with the Lord. Because when you attach yourself to someone, even though they're saying the right things and doing all the right things, and, and, and ladies, you in particular... And some, some of y'all men, like, I'm hearing stories of guys getting scammed on social media and, like, these, these, these like, phishing schemes and, like, catfishing and, like, somebody online pretending to be somebody. You fall in love with them and then they, you find out who they really are and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you need discernment. Because this is what happens to people who have vision but no values. I'm not led by the vision. I'm led by values. 
led by values. Because sometimes I'll see things, man, that looks great. They look great. Wow, they're saying all the right things. Wow, they're, man, nobody's talking, nobody's ever talked to me the way they're talking to me. Nobody's ever complimented me the way they're complimenting me. Do you hear what she said? Silas, she said, I'm a man of God. Half the church thinks I'm crazy. Half the church doesn't receive me. I'm Paul. I was Saul. I'm responsible for the murder of Christian people. You know how difficult it is for me to get somebody to to accept me and to, to think I am who God says I am. But Paul was so confident in his values. He could recognize He could recognize an imposter. And here's the thing about the devil. The Bible says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. The enemy doesn't come at you with something awful. You wouldn't take it. The fruit they ate was probably the most desirable fruit in the entire garden in the book of Genesis. It wasn't rotten fruit. It was desirable. The Bible says she looked at it and said, man, that looks good. So when the enemy tempts you, he doesn't tempt you with something that looks rotten. That's where we get deceived. He tempts you with something that looks good. I deserve this. I've earned this. I'm not getting what I want at home. I deserve this relationship. Go looking for old friends on Facebook. And we fall in love and we attach ourselves to people who say the right things but have a wrong spirit. So I need discernment. I'm going to have to stop here. It's 1043. If I go into this next point, it's going to be, yeah, it'll, it's going to be a mess anyway, but it's, it'll be a mess. You, that vow you made, like, I'm going to be kind. You'll be like, <laughs> you got trucks. You'll be like, it'd be like a monster truck rally out there. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Help us, God. Help us to recognize the difference between our passions, our talent, and your purpose. Passion, again, is what we love to do. Talent is what we can do. Purpose is what we're supposed to do. Help us, Jesus. Thank you for your word that clarifies for us our calling. You are not the author of confusion, but you are the God of peace. You clear up the chaos. There's chaos in our lives that didn't come from you. So help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody, would you stand on your feet? And if you're in the room today, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to ask one more question before we leave today. If you're in this place today and you would say, Robbie, I need a relationship with God. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're in this room today and you feel like you are disconnected from God. You are far from God and you want to be near to God through faith 
in Jesus today. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air. We're going to pray. And in this moment, I believe that God will supernaturally change your life. Whether you're coming to Christ for the first time or you're saying, God, I'm coming back. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. I see you. Hands everywhere. I see you. I see you. see you. Anyone else? Amen. I see you. Let's all pray this together with those that raise their hand. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give mine to you. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for bringing me near. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hey, listen, if you made that decision, we'd love to meet you, pray with you. Let me give you a couple words of advice. If you made that decision and you're like, what do I do next? Just keep coming. Just keep showing up. Just keep being here. Just keep getting in the room. Another thought is get baptized. If you'd like to know about baptism, you can jump onto our website. There's a lot of information on there about it. We'll send you a video, everything you need to know. We've got a baptismal time coming up soon, and we'd love for you to be baptized here at Calvary Church. So we love you. God bless you. I'll see you soon. Our prayer team is up front if you need anything.